You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. So it was a little stressful this week. I was expecting to have like two or three weeks to prepare. Then all of a sudden it was like four days and I'm like, oh yeah, this is fun. Especially this is in my normal wheelhouse. I'm used to being up here playing guitar. And so I like to over-prepare whenever I speak publicly because I just feel like I do better and I don't want to preach heresy. You guys don't like heresy, right? Um, But anyways, I'm so honored uh, to have the opportunity to preach in this series and especially um, I'm so glad that it was able to be switched up and that I could preach on Pete and Debs last week. Uh, So when Pastor Ben told me about this series, I knew instantly what parable I wanted to preach on. Uh, The parable of the sower is one of my favorite, favorite favorite teachings uh, from Jesus. And luckily for me, um, it's one of the few parables that Jesus uh, actually gives an explanation of. And so Jesus used parables, um, if you don't know what it is, um, as a way to share about himself and about what he came to do. Um, But he used terms and illustrations that people were familiar with. Um, So um, what I say is, you know, that parables use commonplace images to convey kingdom principles. So think about the first century. Uh, Almost everyone was involved in agriculture. Some scholars say that even 90% of people at the time did some form of farming. So it's completely opposite of us today. Um, There are kids alive right now, believe it or not, who think produce just comes from the store, just magically appears in the store. They can't even fathom the idea of what a farm looks like. And it makes me wonder that if Jesus preached a parable today, what he might talk about. And so I think a parable today, it might sound a lot like a bedtime story. I love bedtime stories. I, I think in stories and narrative. And I had a lot of favorite bedtime stories, but one of the stories I really enjoyed growing up was Jack and the Beanstalk. Does anyone know that story? Yeah, it's a great story. Um, I see some of the elements from our story um, in, uh, you know, in, in that story back then. Uh, here's this poor boy named Jack who sells his messed up cow to a guy for some magic beans. And things go crazy and a humongous beanstalk uh, grows in his yard all the way up to the heavens. And Jack ends up robbing a giant man who lives up in the clouds. And then Jack and his mother are set for life. And then the giant falls and dies a miserable but death. And as Jesus would say, let he who has ears, let him hear. (laughs) So are you ready for the altar call? That was good, right? That was good. No, not only was that a terrible rendering of a great story, but there was no content. There really wasn't a moral. It was just like, here's a story. Hope you enjoyed it. All right, bye. So now think of Jesus' parables. Jesus gained this huge following. A crowd is beginning to form, so much so that Jesus had to back up off of land, get into a boat, and sit down to be able to project his voice off of the water. There was just mass people there. And it's not like these people were just around. It's not like they got a Facebook invite called Jesus Speaking on the Shoreline. There wasn't an invite that they got in the mail and that they put on the fridge. But Jesus had a huge following that he gained by word of mouth. And these people stopped their jobs. They stopped their lives to hear him preach. 
And some of these people walked for miles just to hear a sermon from him or to be healed. And they, they had no clue what Jesus even looked like. There was no website where they could go and listen to his sermon and decide if they wanted to visit him. So I'm sure people in the crowd and the disciples were ready for a life-changing message. But instead of preaching a sermon, Jesus talks about a farmer sowing some seed and a pretty uh, disappointing plot of land. And the people are probably gearing up, waiting for the big spin, and then Jesus goes, he who has ears, let him hear. And think of how frustrating that would be. It would be like having a friend who only spoke in riddles. Think of a church where that's all that the pastor did. If I came up here and I was just like, if a tree falls in the woods and no one is around to hear it, will it make a sound? Let's pray. So I'm glad Jesus took the time to explain what this parable means. And I'm excited for us to dive into the word today. Are you? Yeah. So let's take a moment and read from Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to read just through verses 1 through 9. It says that same day, and there were some things that happened before where Jesus confronted some Pharisees and a bunch of stuff went down. But it says that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by a lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the ground, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And like I said before, whoever has ears, let them hear. So let's just pray this morning and ask that the Lord uh, just bless this word. Dear Jesus, we thank you, for you are worthy, you are mighty. Like the song said earlier, you are beautiful, you are wonderful, you are powerful, and we thank you for your scripture today. We thank you for this word that came from you. We know uh, that when this scripture penetrates our hearts, that when we open ourselves up to the scripture, that that's whenever it becomes your word. So speak to us today out of this scripture, out of this passage, and let it not just be something we store up in our minds, but let, us, uh, let it be something that we take with us out into the world, to the people around us. And we thank you because you are amazing, you're awesome, and we know that you're here with us this morning. So just bless this word. We give you all the praise and glory and honor. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the first thing that I noticed about this story is that there really isn't anything striking about it. There's no crazy, outlandish thing that happened. And last week, if you were here, Pastor Ben talked about a multi-billion dollar debt that was settled. That's a huge debt. That was a debt, I mean, not heard of in our time, not heard of definitely in their time. 
And there's also stories that Jesus told of people who sold all they had, everything they had, just to gain a little piece of land. Those things are incredible. But then this is just a story about a man sowing seed in a field. And maybe that's why I like it so much. The simplicity of it speaks to me. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy to understand. And so for a long time, I thought I knew what this parable was about. I've sat through countless sermons, and I've read many, many sections of countless books where I was told to examine my life and see what soil I was. I was dirt, is what they were saying. Was I hard? Was I rocky? Or were there thorns choking me? And it took me a long time before I realized that this story isn't just about the soil. And the soil is an important piece of the puzzle. We'll talk about it for a pretty long portion today. But Jesus wasn't wanting the crowd to focus on the soil. Jesus wanted the crowd to focus on the harvest, what was produced when a farmer throws good seed onto healthy soil. And to not pay attention to the harvest would be to miss Jesus' point altogether. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus talks about what the kingdom is, of God is like. And in the same chapter later, he even uh, compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed that spreads like wildfire. Another illustration of his harvest. So you may be thinking, Pastor Bobby, why is this important? Does this even really change what the parable means? And I would say a big yes it does. A Jewish person in the first century was expecting the Messiah to come down with God's fury and to usher in the kingdom of God. The Messiah would go to war and overthrow Rome, and Israel would once again be God's kingdom on earth. But Jesus is saying that this isn't the way God's kingdom will grow. He's saying that it'll be like a field of crops that starts slowly and grows into a lush harvest. Instead of the Jewish people thinking that their Messiah would come down and force their God onto the people of the world, Jesus came and planted a seed of truth instead. The good news that he has come to forgive their sins. Jesus has made a way for the people to receive eternal life. And while some may not accept it, the ones who do accept it, will change the world. That's the meaning of the story. So now we realize that this story is about the harvest and growing God's kingdom. I want to talk about three things that will grow God's kingdom. Verse 3 says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And later in verse 19, Jesus says that this seed is the message about his kingdom. The first thing that is needed to grow God's kingdom is the seed of the gospel. And if you've heard the word gospel a thousand times, if you've been to church and just heard that word thrown around and you're not sure what it means, um, it's a literal word from the Greek that just means good news. And um, that good news is that Jesus came to save us from an eternal death. He's forgiven us through his sacrificial death on the cross, and now we have the promise of a new life through his resurrection. 
And at the end of the message, if you haven't yet, you'll have a chance to accept this good news. But what I love most about this seed, think about it, is that it doesn't change. Isn't that powerful about the gospel? That we might believe a few things different from the church down the road, but we are preaching the same good news about Jesus. We're going to have people come into our church, like Pastor Ben said, who are going to be preaching during this series who aren't from our denomination, but they serve the same Lord and Savior as we do. That's incredible. In this story, there is nothing wrong with the seed that was sown. The changing factor was the soil that received it. So we don't need to water down the good news about Jesus. We don't need to sugarcoat it for other people's benefits. The gospel stands on its own. We do not need to change it. We do not need to alter it. So we can go forth and share it proudly. I love that. We don't need to defend the truth about Jesus. I might need to defend my own stupid actions. I might not love the way that I'm supposed to, but I don't need to stick up for Jesus. And that brings a profound truth to this point, that anything that is added to the gospel changes the gospel. You can't plant orange seeds and expect apples to grow. There's no prosperity gospel. There's no ragamuffin gospel. There's no feminist gospel. Just like oranges and apples are both fruit, there are certain aspects of those truths within the gospel. But the gospel is what it is. And the same is true for Jesus. An incomplete view of Jesus will give us an incomplete view of the truth about the gospel. In the first century, the the Jews, like I said, saw Jesus as a war revolutionary. And in the 60s, there were many people that saw Jesus as this pacifist hippie. I think sometimes the church even gets off track with who Jesus is today. Today, many people see Jesus as the morality police. But Jesus is greater than a social trend. Jesus didn't come so you could be a better person. Did you know that? Jesus did not come so that you could be a better person. When we meet Jesus, I think we become more like him. But Jesus didn't come so that we could be better people. That's like giving cold medicine to a person who has cancer. But Jesus gave us the cure. He gave us himself. We were dead in our sins and transgressions, and he gave us life. And it's out of that new life that we could become more like who we were meant to be. And we need the seed of the gospel if we want to grow the church. This is the most important factor to expanding the harvest of God's kingdom. Not only is seed needed to create a harvest and grow God's kingdom, but soil is needed as well. The gospel is the seed that is planted into the hearts of all who hear it. This is the part of the story that people focus on. But later in Matthew, Jesus says that the soil represents the people who hear the gospel, but the plant that springs up is the product of how they received it. And there are four types of soils that are mentioned here. There's the path where the seed uh, gets snatched. There is the rocky soil where the seed gets scorched. Uh, There's the thorny soil where the seed gets choked. And there's the healthy soil where the seed grows 
and it multiplies. And through the soil, we learn that there are several reasons why people won't receive the gospel. The first is that we have an enemy, Satan, who will snatch the message away before it takes root. And growing up, I would take my friends with me to youth group, and uh, many would leave and make fun of the message, or they would make fun of the pastor, or they would make fun of the Christians there. And um, for a while, I wasn't much better when I started going to church. Um, the main reason I started going to church regularly were because there were girls there who were my age. And... Um, yeah, I, I didn't really care about what was going on at church. I just I just cared about girls. So I went where the girls went, and they were at church. So like any other 13-year-old boy. So, um, But the people who were like me and my friends are the ones who just let the message go in one ear and out the other. They either think they are above the gospel or they think that they already know what Christianity is all about. But we need to remember that we are fighting a spiritual battle. There are many of you that might have a friend or a loved one who you want to see come to the Lord. We need to remember that the most important thing that we can do is pray for them. Write their name down. Put it in your wallet where you'd see it. Write it on a mirror in your house. And every time, remember to pray for them. Pray that they have a chance to receive the truth and that it just won't go in one ear and out the other. The next, uh, the next reason people don't receive the gospel is that they have no root. There's a decision that they've made. They say um, they've received Jesus, but nothing has really changed in their lives. They're still uh, living like they did before they went to church. Uh, none of their friends and family can see the change. There's no light bulb moment uh, that's happened for them. And they might believe in Jesus because they feel bad about something they did, um, they may think they received the gospel because they've gone to church their whole life. They may even think they've received the gospel because they've become a morally better person. Remember Jesus, the moral police? They've stopped swearing or smoking or getting drunk, but they have no real relationship with Jesus. And you can tell someone has no root. I can tell someone has no root um, because their relationship with Jesus it revolves around them. They don't revolve their lives around Jesus. And how often do we do that with Jesus? We say we love our neighbors, but we don't even know the people who live next door. We say we love God, but we only talk to him on Sunday mornings. And we only follow his commands when they're convenient for us. And so think of a plant on rocky soil. Like, think of a plant in the rocks. And at first, it looks like there's this lush plant growing. It looks healthy, but growth here isn't a sign of health. Everything is shallow. The rocky soil bends the plant to its will. It won't allow it to take root. The plant is subject to the soil. It's kind of scary to think about, and it makes me wonder how deep my relationship is with Jesus. I, I can jump through all the right hoops. I can say all the right things. I can feel like I'm doing all the right things. But I myself might be one catastrophe away from being uprooted. And in leadership, this is especially the case. There's this illustration that talks through this principle that's called the iceberg effect. And if you've ever seen an iceberg floating in the water, only 10% of it is visible and 90% of it is uh, below the water. And just like 90% of this iceberg is hidden below the surface, 
The same is true about our lives. Our character is 90% of who we are, but yet we focus more on the 10% that people can see. We focus on looking like we have it all together. We focus on how talented we are, um, but we lack character. And Tim Elmore, who kind of developed this principle when talking about it, he said that your character or uh, your talent, it might get you to uh, the top, but it's your character that will keep you there. So we may jump through all the right hoops. We may serve once a month at church, but, if, um, but it's having a relationship with Jesus that will get us to heaven. And we need to keep rooted. We also need to allow the gospel to take root in us. The other reason people don't truly receive the gospel is that they are choked by the world and its values. The parable says that there are thorns that choke out people's joy and uh, purpose. And we see wealth, uh, they see wealth and prosperity, and they want that. They see uh, people who live uh, however they want without a care, and they think life is all about what makes them happy instead of what makes them whole. They want to be free to do whatever they want. But they don't realize that what looks like freedom is really a briar patch that is going to choke out their purpose. See, these people want Jesus and. They want Jesus and prosperity. Jesus and selfishness. Jesus and freedom to do what they want. They've taken root. They've accepted Jesus. They've started living for him. But Jesus isn't enough. Is Jesus enough for you? That's something I have to ask myself sometimes. Is Jesus enough for me? In 2 Corinthians, there's this story about Paul, and he's talking with God through this crisis situation, asking him to help him, to heal him through this um, situation. And, and during this time of crisis, Jesus says, Paul, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. I want to live in such a way that no matter what happens, no matter how much or how little I have, I will love Jesus the same. Jesus is always enough. The last soil that is mentioned is the good soil, and, and this is the person who truly understands the message that Jesus preached. Jesus even says to the disciples in Matthew 13 that they are more blessed than even the prophets of the Old Testament because they are hearing with their own ears, they're seeing with their own eyes God's promise being fulfilled. Church, we are blessed because we know the truth of the gospel. We look back at these stories of God moving in the Old Testament, of God stopping the sun in the sky, of God parting the Red Seas, and we long for those things today. But Jesus is telling us that we have something better because we have him. Moses split the seas, but Jesus walked on water calmed the storm. Elijah was carried up in a chariot of fire, but Jesus resurrected from the grave and ascended to heaven. David slayed the Philistine giant, and Jesus slayed the giant of sin and death. 
Saul and David and Solomon and all of those other kings were kings of their people, but Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the king over everything. He's the king over everyone. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And as the good soil, we are considered blessed. So let's live in that blessing. So let's think back um, to the soil for a second, uh, to all the soil. There was a lot of seed planted, but only 25% of the soil could receive it. That means 75% of the seed that was sown didn't flourish. There were 75% of the people um, who heard Jesus' message 2,000 years ago who couldn't grasp what it meant. And if you remember this, after Jesus resurrected from the grave, it says that five hundred people, 500 people witnessed him resurrected from the grave. But then only a few days later, only a couple weeks later, in the upper room, it says that there were only 120 people praying. Do you guys know what the, um, what the percentage is there? That's a little less than 25% of the people who saw the resurrected Lord were there when the Spirit fell. This is the same ratio that Jesus used in the parable of the sower. Not everyone is going to receive the gospel. And actually, Jesus said, for every four people who hear the message of the gospel, only one of them will receive it. So what does this mean? Pastor Bill Hybels from Willow Creek Church says that because of this, the church needs to plant as many seeds as possible. In the story, the harvest that grew, it came and grew 30 and 60 and 100 times the size of the original seed planted. The good soil made up for the seed that was wasted on the bad soil. But we are tasked now to plant the seed wherever we go. And that brings us to our last point. We not only need seed and soil, but we also need someone to sow the seed. We need a sower. We need a farmer who will go out and plant the seed. And in this parable, Jesus is the farmer who is going out and proclaiming to the world that he has come to set them free. But when Jesus ascended, he gave us the task to reach one more. We not only need to be the good soil that receives the gospel, but we also need to be sowing the seed of the gospel out into the world as well. And I know caring, um, sharing about Jesus is scary, but we need to remember that we don't need to defend Jesus. The seed itself has value. We just need to sow it. And I picture a farmer out in a field during a drought, and in his hand is the last of his seed. His family is starving, but he is afraid to sow the last of his precious seed because it might not rain. And I think that we do that with the gospel. We're afraid to share Jesus with people because we're afraid they won't receive him. 
We are afraid that we might say the wrong thing. We think that we'll get defriended or made fun of. I think sometimes we're afraid that we'll sound too preachy or judgmental. So instead of sharing about Jesus, we keep the seed clenched tightly in our hands because it's precious after all, isn't it? But we need to remember this. Seed is meant to be sown. The gospel is meant to be spread. And every Christian, every Christian is tasked with spreading that seed. So think of this parable from the farmer's perspective, from, from any farmer, from the 90% of the people in their economy that, um, that did agriculture. Jesus starts by saying that a farmer goes out and sows seed. You know, it starts fairly normal. But then he says that the farmer just starts throwing seed everywhere. There's no rhyme or reason to where the seed went. There's no plan. The farmer just went out and started throwing seed around. And you have to think almost everyone who heard this parable, they were farmers. They would have known that this is not how farming is done. To just throw seed everywhere was foolish. It was a waste of money and it was irresponsible. But Jesus was making a point by sharing how the farmer planted the seed. Jesus was saying that it wasn't up for him to decide who would receive his message. It was just his job to share it. And how liberating is that? It isn't our job to figure out who might receive the gospel and only share to those people, but we are tasked to share with anybody and everybody. That's the power of the gospel. It isn't just for the Jew. It isn't just for the rich. It isn't just for the people who have their lives together. The gospel is for everybody. Jesus is for everybody, plain and simple, no exceptions. So Jesus is for the single mother who's making it by on a single wage. Jesus is for the homeless person who has nowhere else to turn to but the streets. Jesus is for the children who are in foster care, who are paying the price for decisions that were out of their control. Jesus is for the man on Wall Street who has put his purpose in wealth and status. Jesus is for the refugee in the Middle East who is just praying that their kids will make it one more day. Jesus is for you, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going to do. And Jesus is for me. So I want to encourage you today to share the gospel. Invite a guest to church. Tell them about how God got you through a hard time or how now you have purpose and how your life has changed for the better. A healthy crop reproduces itself. So let's be productive and live out what we believe to those around us. It's not hard to pray for your boss doesn't take much to invite your neighbor over to dinner. And did you know that we had four new people come to our church on Wednesday for Catalyst? All because one person, one person had the insight and the courage to ask a simple question. Start with a family in our church who saw their old neighbors a couple weeks ago. 
And all they did was invite the kids to our youth group. But now that seed is planted. And that seed was planted in my life whenever a kid on my bus invited me to a giveaway at his church. Um, that started the, tra- tra- uh, the trajectory for me. Uh, they were giving away a PlayStation 2. A PlayStation 2 is how I got saved. I mean, Jesus was how I got saved. But come on, think about that. One small invite. But he saw a window and he used it. So look for those windows. Plant those seeds and let God worry about the growth. So what started um, at the surface as this simple story has turned into something so much more spectacular. It's more than just a story about soil. It's more than just a story about dirt, but it's a story about growth. It's a story about the gospel. And if we want to grow God's kingdom, we have to know the gospel. It's not apples or oranges, but there is only one truth and one seed. Jesus is the only way. And good soil is also needed to grow God's kingdom. We need to watch out for Satan. We need to make sure that we are rooted. We need to make sure that Jesus is enough. We have to want Jesus on his terms, not on our terms. And to grow God's kingdom, we need sowers and farmers who will have the boldness to share the gospel without partiality. We have to push past all the fear and all the complacency in our lives. We need to realize that eternity is on the line. We have to reach one more. If we don't spread the truth about the gospel, no one will. Can you bow your head with me this morning? Dear Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And we thank you that your truth of who you are, of what you have done, has taken root in our hearts. Now we just pray that you will grow it. Help us, Jesus, to be people who are not only in the good soil, but let us be people who are sowers and are farmers. That there are people this morning we're at home and have no clue what's going on here in this building this morning. There are people who are hungover. There are people who are disheveled. There are people just going on about their day. And we have the truth to eternal life in our hands. Let us be people who walk with an open hand. Let us be people who, like this foolish farmer, will go out and share the truth of who you are to anyone and everyone. We hold the power to life. We hold the cure to death. Now help us and challenge us today to see those windows, to see those open opportunities, and to not take them for granted. Jesus, and I just pray for anyone who's here where the seed has been planted in their heart this morning. 
Lord Jesus, I just pray that you'll remove any hurdle, any obstacle in their life that is preventing them, uh, preventing her gospel from taking root in their lives. And I pray that they will accept you as Lord and as Savior this morning. Lord God, stir in their heart a decision today to live for you on your terms, not on their terms. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. Help us to live out what we learn today in every area of our lives. And help us to have a, a great rest of our day. We give you all the praise and glory and honor. It's in your mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to give one more prayer um, of benediction, and then you guys can leave, greet each other, and we hope to see you at Sunday Night Live uh, today at 4 at Rising. Uh, but let's just do one more prayer of benediction. Jesus, I just pray that you will go before us, behind us, be all around us today. Uh, let us see your supernatural work in the most mundane things. And we just give you all the praise and glory because of it in your awesome and in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you and go in the grace of God today. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.